This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. To decolonize your destiny podcast. I'm your host, Ingrid LaFleur. Today we are talking to Anya Dennis about decolonizing arts education. I've yes. known Anya since college and we reconnected in New York. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of surprised me a couple years ago, moved to Detroit. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, her bio. Anya Dennis is a multidisciplinary educator and administrator with 20 years of experience as a teacher with specific expertise in the area of student-centered pedagogy and teacher training. She holds her bachelor's degree in English education from Clark Atlanta University and a master of education in education administration from Temple University. Her work in the field of education centers around literacy, youth advocacy, and international education. She has served as an educational administrator for the superintendent of New York's alternative education system and as an educational consultant for Gear Up. She launched and directed Temple University's Literacy for Learning program and directed the Education Through Arts Empowerment program at Rice High School. Additionally, her international work includes co-founding the Abiyi Adi Language Center in Ethiopia and leading the Literacy Through Dance program in Seoul, Korea. In 2017, Anya co-founded the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy, HALA, and serves as the Director of School Programs and Professional Development. Welcome, Anya. Thank you, um, Thank you, Ingrid, for that wonderful, wonderful introduction. I really appreciate that. Yes, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. I have so many questions Um as a person who comes from the arts, uh, I've always been concerned about how we're teaching the arts to our youth. And I'm always wondering if we're being as um, expansive mm-hmm. and contemporary with it. Mm-hmm. Contemporary in the sense of like, what are the skills um, really necessary necessary for youth to gain while um, engaging in an arts kind of curriculum? And uh, so I want to start there. What I love about HALA, first of all, I, I'm not sure if everyone knows about the Heidelberg um, project in Detroit uh, that was started by Tyree Guyton about 30 years ago. I grew up watching that installation grow, and, and it's basically these uh, series of public art installations where Tyree has taken found objects and really wonderfully um, 
made additions to, decorated, enhanced, um, and created his own narrative um, working with abandoned homes and uh, vacant land. And uh, it's the second most visited site in Detroit. And uh, yeah, and this youth program that you have co-founded, I'm super excited about. So I really am curious, like, why using the word leadership within arts? Because you don't usually see the two, and, and that probably excites me the most. Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. Um, the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy really wanted to use arts as a platform to really teach students how to be leaders within their community, to teach them how to have agency within their community, and to really teach them how to make a difference. So that word leadership is really important for us and is really important for Detroit students because oftentimes, you know, students um, have the tendency to feel like their voice is not heard and that they can't make change, that they don't have the power to really make change in their community. And you see through Tyree Guyton's artwork within the community that change can be made using arts as a platform to speak out about a number of different topics. So with the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy, we use arts to promote student activism and youth activism inside of the school, outside of the schools, and also abroad. Can you give us an example of what that looks like? Awesome. That's a really, really great question. So one of the courses that we have is called Art Through Hip Hop. And in that course, um, students get a chance to um, familiarize themselves with hip-hop through the pictorial narratives that lie within hip-hop album covers, right? And so a lot of people look at hip-hop album covers and they look at the artists that are on the hip-hop album covers, but they don't get a chance to really analyze the symbolism within the narratives that these hip-hop artists have created. So they get a chance to explore that. They get a chance to actually make their own hip-hop album covers that reflects their life and that reflects the community around them because their life could not exist if the community did not exist as well. So they get a chance to talk about some of the social issues that have affected them growing up in the inner city of Detroit and how they have overcome those social issues and hardships within their community to make them the strong individuals that they are today. So that's just one way that we kind of focus on that social activism within our curriculum. I love that you're looking at hip-hop album covers. First of all, do these kids know what an album <laughs> is, right? But no, but, but that, I mean, that's a beauty all into itself. But to place... Um, hip-hop album covers in the, the realm of art, I don't think we, we um, do often enough, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, there is so much to, be, to learn from a hip-hop album. They've got sacred geometry on there. <laughs> I there's mean, math, there's, there's science, math, right? there's literacy, there's Look, history. Right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's all these five percenters <laughs> like, can be breaking down all kinds of math, right? Um, that's really exciting. And I like how this is about how what would their own um, hip-hop album cover look like. Do you guys at all deal with future, future visioning or imagining? We do. So that's a part, literally that's a part of all of our classes that, that's interwoven within our curriculum throughout. Um, but in the hip-hop album covers, as they're creating their narratives, they talk about their past, their present, and their future. Mm-hmm. And all of that is embedded in the pictorial stories on their hip-hop album covers. Um, they also select six to eight song titles that reflect their life story, and then they top it off with that literacy and writing piece with a poem. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so it's really awesome. That is great. And so how is Hala connected to the Heidelberg um, project? Like, how do you um, use Tyree Guyton's artwork and installation? Okay. His life work and his artwork um, is really the basis of the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy. Everything that he's done over the last three decades with the Heidelberg Project in terms of really using the arts to send a message and using the arts to promote self-activism, to promote self-actualization, to tell a story, we push that same kind of ideology, thinking, resilience within our curriculum with our students. So they're really one and the same. We um, we take our kids on classroom trips mm-hmm. to the Heidelberg Project so they can get a chance to really observe and analyze and deal with the symbolism that lies within artwork so that they can see themselves reflected within the Heidelberg Project as they're walking down the street. So everything that Tyree Guyton has set up we stand on his shoulders and we pass that on from one generation to the next in Detroit public schools, private schools, working with incarcerated youth, mm. and also youth that um, are in foster care as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. And Tyree Guyton's work definitely has a, a past, present, future all embedded in it. Um, and I love how he articulates his future visions mm-hmm. um, through this visual language. And I just really love that you're strengthening our youth's ability to read visual art, which is so rare, (laughs) right? Uh, As an art historian, as a curator, I am hyper aware of how people do not feel comfortable reading visual work uh, in its, uh, in, in a kind of a deeper way. It's a, it's kind of like what I say, the difference between like pop fiction and literature, pop fiction is entertaining and it's great. Mm -hmm. It can take you to another place. But literature has you thinking, and it affects your world, mm-hmm. and it challenges your point of view. And so I think that that it seems like what, you're, what Hala is doing. Absolutely. Um, so you guys are taking youth to Ghana. <laughs> we are. <laughs> you, they're fundraising right now. Um, and I'm, I'm extra excited about this program because I've always dreamt of taking youth to Africa, and uh, specifically um, South Africa, simply because of the work that I've been doing. But really, youth just needs to be going every year, all, all the countries, all the cities, everywhere. Um, especially since Detroit is a majority black city. Mm-hmm. It, it, that connection just is a deeper um, thing for me personally. But how did you guys come about like wanting to bring youth to Ghana? Well, um Myself, um, Sharman Archer, and Kisa Davis, um, we all collectively co-founded the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy, but we all collectively lived abroad in Ghana at some point in time in our lives. So, mm. And that was the first country in um, Africa that we all went to. And so it's always been all three of our dreams um, to take kids abroad to Africa for a study abroad cultural emergent program. And when we um, began to think about um, really um, pushing the needle and giving our students a different level of exposure, study abroad was one of the vehicles that we thought would be phenomenal um, to employ. And so we're so excited about, you know, this mission of taking them overseas to Ghana, uh, West Africa in 2020. Um, And we chose Ghana 
Um, one, um, because of the rich, you know, history that lies within Ghana. You have the slave dungeons um, in Ghana there. Um, you have the rich resources. You have spirituality that resonates from the Ashanti uh, uh, kingdom and beyond. Um, but we also chose Ghana because there there is no language barrier. So students are able to go to Ghana and feel more at home when they can speak the language and interact with peers that are their age. So the, for all of those reasons, we chose um, to take our kids to Ghana this, this year. Um, but each year, we like to pick a different country um, on the continent um, to take them to and then venture out to South America, the Middle East, Asia, mm -hmm. Euro mm -hmm. Europe, and, and so forth. So we're excited about that. Yeah, I know some listeners are like, I want to go to Ghana. <laughs> and you know, this is the, the 400 year of return um, celebration that's happening. So I'm definitely trying to go this December. Um, and I've never been to Ghana. Uh, so I'm trying to, but I think I'm going to go this August. That's um, going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And you know, I, in terms of taking youth abroad um, and making sure that they have or expand their worldview, I'm really excited about the fact that you want to go over and beyond Africa simply because we have such a large Lebanese population. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, people from all over the world, Poland. Mm -hmm. So to be able to go to the countries um, where people are from here in Detroit would be like a, another way to, to, to create a deeper connection, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully some understanding on a, on a level, uh, on a deeper level that I think is so necessary if we want Detroit to be that global cosmopolitan city, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I want to ask this question, since we're talking about decolonization, what does decolonization of arts education look like to you? I think um, that's a conversation of decentering art from its whiteness and making sure that all forms of art are accessible to black and brown students um, as a whole. I think that that's pretty much what it looks like. Um, to me, um, to traditionally and historically, um, art um, can have a very elitist um, kind of format. And we want to make sure that inside of the classroom and outside of the classroom, students, our students are centered in this realm of art and they're able to use art um, to answer their own questions, to tell their own stories, right? So in decolonizing art, we have to ask ourselves the questions of what is art? Who makes art? What and why is art valued or is art important? And then make sure that our students are able to answer those questions within the art that they cultivate and create in the classroom setting and outside. Right. And like not starting with Picasso. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. <laughs> when I came back home and I heard that these teachers were still teaching our youth about Picasso and Matisse. And we have Romare Bearden. Yes. And, you know, like. Yes. Elizabeth Gallant. I mean, the, yes. the list is so long. And then we have artists from Detroit that are just extremely amazing. It's, it's Shirley Woodson. Like, come on. Like, there's so many amazing, amazing. artists of amazing color that, of that color. look like our youth. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, that, that they we, need to be exposed they to. They need to be exposed to, Absolutely. right? And if we're going to talk about Picasso, then we still got to start with Africa anyway. And so. we have to. <laughs> we have there's to. no way around there's it. No way. <laughs> At all. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's really wonderful. You've taught abroad in multiple countries mm -hmm. and worked on arts projects. What have you learned? What are the lessons you've learned and, and how do you incorporate that into the work that you're doing now? 
I've learned so many different lessons, um, and I try to incorporate it in a number of different ways. Um, so I try to incorporate the arts that I've learned and, and, and experienced abroad through literature that I bring in the classroom. I try to incorporate um, what I've learned from abroad through dance and movement um, in the classroom environment, and also visually and pictorially through movies and films and you know and and series and sitcoms and things of that nature just trying to give our students a well-balanced perspective of international culture you know international communication um the roles of women in different countries the roles of men in different country um what's important um, and what's valued um, in one country opposed to what is important and is, is, is valued in our country. So all of these um, different uh, kind of ways to kind of just uh, bridge the gap and give them that exposure, I, I tend to employ in my classroom environment. And our st students really love it. They really t love to learn about the richness of another culture. And, and what's more important is for them to be able to identify the similarities and the differences you know, um, that take place in, in, in other countries opposed to, to their own country because it gives them perspective, you know, that they didn't have before, you know. So it's really interesting, and I enjoy it. So fascinating. I'm As you're speaking, I'm thinking about your, you growing up in Philadelphia. Yes. And I'm so curious to know um, how the arts might have influenced you or what your experience with education was like when you were younger and how you might be trying to course correct that in older or, or take something great from that experience. Um, yeah, but I'm curious to know like how uh, your experience growing up in Philly going to you went to public schools? I did. I yeah. did. All throughout. All throughout. I'm a public school girl too. Yes! <laughs> Shout outs to public school, public <laughs> <Yeah>. education. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I, I always uh, wished as an adult um, that I had exposure to the arts within the Philadelphia public education um, system that I went through. Well, I didn't have any exposure to arts at all. Um, I um, I came from a educational background that was under-resourced um, and it wasn't good or enriching academically for students. For, for me, I wouldn't say for all the students, but I would probably say that, but I'm just speaking for me. And so um, when I kind of was introduced to the arts was when I graduated and went to Clark Atlanta University. And that's when I got the exposure and the footing and the grounding and the understanding of um, the power behind and within the arts as a whole and how it can shape and, and form um, life and culture and perspectives and interactions and things of that nature. Um, but uh, musically, in terms of the arts in Philadelphia, I would say musically, it had an impact on me because music is art as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so Philadelphia has a rich history of jazz, a rich history of R&B, a rich history of blues. Um, and um, I can recall growing up in, in a household that was rich in, in music from my sisters and my father um, and my mom with gospel. So uh, that that kind of arts it, it influenced me and informed my perspective um, growing up in the household and in, in, in Philadelphia. Based on observation and being in Detroit for almost two years, mm -hmm. uh, wow, 
it's almost two years. <laughs> right, right. Uh, how does that compare, you know, to uh, Detroit and the public school system that you've seen thus far in terms of what you've experienced in Philadelphia or what you know is happening in Philadelphia? The exact same mirror. Like mm. being in Detroit and, and seeing the state of the public education and, and where it's at and where it has been is the exact same uh academic experiment experience I had growing up in the cities of Philadelphia. Um, it really, I mean, it's like night and day, like under-resourced, no technology. You know, uh, certain schools don't have actually curriculums. The teachers will write their curriculums, not enough textbooks. Um, it, it, we went through it all in Philadelphia. And so for us to be working in DPS and in, in, in the school system and knowing that schools are still struggling with the same exact thing, that I struggled with in high school, over or in, in middle school, in elementary school, over twenty something, thirty years ago, um, it's heart wrenching. But I do know that um, there is a new superintendent, and he is making strides and efforts um, to change DPS um, and to empower to- students with the tools that they need, so that they their retention is higher, literacy scores are higher, reading scores are higher, math scores are higher, and so they're really making a push in that right direction. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we will see the change that needs to happen with inside of the school systems here. That's very exciting to hear. Yeah. Um, and I want to know, what is it like working with incarcerated youth? Mm. And what, what's the program look like? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, it, it, for me, um, it's, it's a very easy um, population to kind of relate to. Um, as a youth, I was um, in and out of jail and, and incarcerated uh, growing up a, a number of times for assault and for fighting teachers. And so I resonate with working with um, students who um, kind of struggle in that same way, um, be it um, with social emotional disorder behaviors, just having violent tempers. Um, and so it's very fulfilling for me to work with the underdog or the children that are considered to be problem children in the school and to get through to them because I come from that. I am that. I was that. And so I really, really, really do enjoy working um, with that population of students who are sometimes forgotten and thrown away. You know, people tend to think, well, they're incarcerated. Um, and so they did something that was against the law, and therefore they shouldn't be um, nurtured and loved and educated in the same way um, because they're not worth saving, right? They're unsavable. But for us, within HALA and with everything that we do, all students are savable. All students can be reached, you know. Um, all students should be given a chance, even if they made mistakes, you know. Their, their mistakes should not be their future, and their mistakes should not dictate who they become in the future. And so I really believe in that. And, and so in working with, you know, um, students who are um, uh, incarcerated or students who are wards of the state, I give them that same tough love that I know that I need it, and I redirect that anger in a different way so that they can focus and, and find out who it is they want to be, what it is they want to do in life, and how it is they can get to, to that place in the world. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, I love it. So inspiring. And I, I didn't know this about you, actually. If <laughs> you met Anya Dennis... Um, she's quite a proper lady. You would never, ever know that you're in and out of jail. 
multiple times. <laughs> but that says a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you, you are a shining example of not judging our youth based on their behavior in that moment in time. Um, and knowing that they can become this Clark Atlanta Temple University graduate who's been all over the world um, and giving back Mm -hmm. in this really beautiful way that we absolutely need, right? Our youth need it, our incarcerated youth need it, black and brown babies especially um, need that level of attention and exposure, Mm -hmm. and they need to see that example of what they can become. Mm -hmm. Um, When I would walk into classrooms, they would just look at me like I was crazy. Like I have five heads. And then they I look started, at me the same way too. Yeah, and then I start speaking. They're like, girl, you ain't from Detroit. <laughs> like I am. I am from Detroit. <laughs> but people look at me that same way now, like, you've you've never been arrested. Come on now. Whatever. You know, so I get that same type of, you know, like don't try to outpour me. I know you were never poor, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I kinda was. <laughs> that is my experience. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just shows that, you know, there are no limitations whatsoever mm-hmm. as long as we can create the portals um for our youth to to find their own place in this world and to to be have liberated minds. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I ask every guest Mm -hmm. a question. How do you decolonize daily? Wow. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. How do I decolonize daily? Um, I think I would answer that question um, by saying, Remaining rooted in who I am and what we bring to this world as people of color, Mm -hmm. you know, that helps me to decolonize on a daily basis. Um, Also, a lot of prayer and meditation as well. Um, And then the last thing I would say um, would be giving back, you know, shifting um, the narrative of being colonized inside of the classroom and outside of the classroom when I work with young youth. You know, um, I think that that helps me um, to kind of decolonize as as well. So I think um, that would be my answer to that question. But that was a tough one, Ingrid. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I have another one for you. Okay. (laughs) So based on my pleasure principle, where every moment is pleasurable, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's not, you need to reassess it. I wanted to know what gives you pleasure? What gives you joy? Family and friends, um, I can definitely say, um, give me the most joy in my life and my students, you know, working, um, working with kids and and seeing them smile and seeing that light bulb, that light bulb kind of go off in in, in their brains when you teach them a new ideal or concept. Um, And love, love makes me smile, whether it's from um, a random person that I meet at the grocery store in, in Detroit um, and we have a conversation or if it's from someone that I've known for 20 or 30 years, but love um, makes me smile. Yeah. I know. Girl, let me tell you what gives me joy. Your balcony <laughs> and a glass of wine. Let me tell y'all, if I show, could show you this beautiful apartment that she has in Detroit's West Village, if you've never been to Detroit, you must, must come to West Village, Indian Village, and just enjoy the architecture. It's beautiful. It's, it's very gorgeous. beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's and gorgeous. now it's summer, so it's on and popping. Yeah. 
Um, I want to know where can we support Hala, and and if we wanted to support the the program Tagano, what do we? Where do we go? Um, if you guys are interested in supporting, that would be wonderful. You guys can go to theheidelberg.org. And when you go to our website, it's underneath the section that, that's called What We Do. You can click on that and you'll see the Heidelberg Arts Leadership Academy or HALA. You can learn more about our programming. You can donate money so um, to support our you know, um, uh, Detroit to Diaspora program taking students to Ghana, West Africa. And you can just support our mission in general. We're still here. We're fighting the, the good cause and, 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 and really have a mission to just give back in a huge way in Detroit. So please, again, go to heidelberg.org and support. Definitely. We'll have the link um, on our site. And uh, yeah, I want to hear from you. I want to know how you decolonize your destiny. Please email me at decolonizeyourdestiny at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Anya, for sharing your story. Mm. Thank you for doing the work. And this is extremely important work. Y'all, we have to support this work and definitely within your own hometown, Find, you know, the arts education organizations and please support mm-hmm. them. Our youth need it. Yes. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Awesome. And thank you, Ingrid, for having me. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. Well, thank you guys for listening. I am your host, Ingrid LaFleur. Have a good day. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city.